Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Where is your happy place? Do you guys have a place that when you go there, it just brightens your day? Like, it just makes all the clouds go away. Maybe it's because of the memories that you shared there. Maybe it's a familiar smell or experience when you go there that just, it just brings you to your happy place. Last week, we prayed for and we sent off our students that are going back to school. I was so sad to have missed out on that. And on top of that, you guys had ice cream with sprinkles and chocolate fudge, and I missed out on that. But, but guess what? There were leftovers. So guess who got to eat? Even though I wasn't there with you guys, I was able to enjoy some ice cream. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about vanilla ice cream smothered with rainbow sprinkles on a waffle cone that just turns you into a big kid again, right? How many of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about? And I was quarantined, stuck in my room alone. But for that moment, for the duration of the ice cream cone, I was in my happy place. With every bite of that sweet vanilla ice cream covered in sprinkles, I was transported to a happy place. But when I got to the end of the cone and I took my last bite, guess what? I wasn't in my happy place anymore. I was back to being stuck in my room alone in quarantine. A common theme throughout Philippians has been a call to rejoice. And in four short chapters, Paul uses the word rejoice at least nine times. Now remember where Paul is writing these words from. He's under house arrest waiting to hear for what's next from him. You know, more hard time, the death sentence, uh, and not for a crime, but for preaching the gospel. So he's not writing this letter from his happy place. He's reached the end of his ice cream cone. Yet he can still rejoice, and he can call others to rejoice. And I need you guys to know this, that you can rejoice despite whatever you're going through. And this is a powerful principle that if you got it deep down inside of you, it can absolutely change your life. It has the power to absolutely transform our church and make the light on this block shine brighter than ever. And it's my dream to see a church full of people that are so full of the joy of the Lord despite the circumstances that we're going through because joy transcends circumstance. And in today's passage, as we continue working our way through Philippians 4, Paul is going to remind us yet again that we can rejoice. And maybe you're asking yourself, why is he bringing this up again? Well, it's because you constantly forget, your big dummy, so we've got to be constantly reminded. Or maybe it's because we're tempted to seek happiness from other things outside of God and always end up empty. So three big ideas from today's passage. Here's number one. We've got a reason to rejoice. And Paul says it this way in verse 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. How did you guys come here today? I'm not talking about the mode of transportation. I mean, how did you come here today? Maybe you came feeling down or discouraged. You're going through a trial or difficulty. Maybe you came in sad, stressed, or with a lot on your mind. Maybe you came in indifferent or apathetic. But Paul reminds us and calls us to rejoice. We don't always feel happy. We don't always want to go to church. We don't always feel like smiling. But regardless of how we feel, we always have a reason to rejoice. The word that's translated rejoice is the Greek word kairo. And here's what it means. It means to delight in God's grace, literally to experience God's grace and favor, to be conscious or glad for His grace. 
Our ability to rejoice absolutely transcends circumstances because it's not connected to anything that we're going through. Our rejoicing is directly connected to experiencing God's grace. It's the outpouring of God's favor and grace that gives us the ability to rejoice. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's receiving His love and mercy even though we don't deserve it. And we, when we examine the amount of grace that we've been shown compared to the circumstances that we may be experiencing, the massive amount of grace we receive drastically outweighs anything else. I love this quote that I read this week about this verse. Most people think you get joy when you get what you desire. But real joy comes when you realize what you deserve. The realization of what you deserve, judgment, and what you received and said, salvation, should lead you to great joy. It's not about getting what you want. It's about being grateful for all that you have in Christ Jesus. Joy has absolutely nothing to do with stuff. In fact, some of the people with the most stuff in the world are the most miserable people in the world. Joy has nothing to do with getting what you desire. It's connected to receiving something that we absolutely didn't deserve. The grace of God in Christ Jesus, therefore our response is to rejoice. What kind of impact do you think we might have on a sorrowful, serious, dry, stuck-up world if we live this truth out? Guys, we've got to bring the party. We've got to bring the smiles because we have the greatest reason to party and smile. God saved a wretch like you and me. God has saved us. And he did not give us what our sins deserve. This is the very source of joy, so we rejoice. The second big idea from today's passage is this number two. We've got a reason to be gracious. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. To be gracious is to extend grace and to treat others with grace. We live in a world where the norm is to be crude, rash, harsh with our words and actions. You know, haughtiness and pride is what is celebrated and expected. But as followers of Jesus, we are to be gracious because we worship a gracious king. And this is especially true in how we communicate truth. We extend graciousness even in how we communicate hard truths with the rest of the world. We live in a time where we will be criticized for standing firm in the Lord and on the word. But when we communicate these truths, we can do so from a place where we model graciousness. The great theologian Mary Poppins said, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. What if we communicated God's truth in a way that felt sympathy and compassion for those people who are so far from God that they simply cannot see how their thinking is tainted by demonic doctrine? If we felt that compassion and if we communicate with grace, if we communicated with this grace, maybe more people would be likely to listen. And no person modeled this better than Jesus. Consider when they brought him the woman that was caught in adultery. All the religious leaders surrounded her with rocks in hand, ready to stone her for her sin. The woman was wrong, and she was caught red-handed. What did Jesus do? Well, he called her to repent, to leave her life of sin, but he didn't begin there. Jesus tells the religious leaders that he that is without sin cast the first stone, and one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all leave. Then I could just imagine Jesus with all his perfect compassion stooping down, to the embarrassed and fearful woman. And he asks her, Woman, where are your accusers? And she opened her eyes and looked around, surprised to see that no one was there except her and Jesus. And then Jesus tells her, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus defended her. He protected her. And then, instead of condemnation, gave her restoration and forgiveness. In other words, he extended grace. And then he said, Go and sin no more. What do you think would have happened if that would have played out in reverse? What if he began with, go and sin no more? But he didn't. 
Jesus extended grace. And His graciousness was known to everyone. It's the same grace that He's extended to us, and as receivers of grace, we can be givers of grace. People are not used to that whatsoever. How different might the gospel be received if we began with grace? How can anyone in their right mind reject the graciousness of Christ? And so this is where we begin. We begin with grace. We allow this graciousness to be known to everyone. In other words, we put this grace on display. We lead with grace. We serve with grace. We communicate with grace. When you look at your interactions with people this last week, your coworkers on the job, your, your family at home, your classmates at school, were your interactions seasoned with grace? Did you demonstrate grace and have a gracious attitude? Consider especially when it comes to sharing your faith, sharing with others the hope of the gospel. Don't do it from a place of a judgmental, pompous, and prideful attitude. Do it from the same grace that's been shown to you. I bet you anything that message will be received different. The last big idea for today, we can rejoice, we can be gracious, because number three, the Lord is near. And Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And this is the reminder that some of you needed today, that the Lord is near. And because He is near, we can rejoice. Because He is near, we can extend grace to others. Because He is near, we can feel peace and have faith, and we can be confident and fear not. And maybe you're thinking, but Danny, I don't always feel like He's near. I feel like He's distant. In fact, I don't feel Him at all. Let me just say that I totally understand you, and I've been there. And in those moments, it can feel incredibly lonely. Maybe you feel extremely discouraged, like you just want to give up. Some of you dragged yourself out of bed this morning. You forced yourself to go to church today because you actually didn't want to. And the main reason is because you just can't sense that the Lord is near. And I get it. And I commend you for making the effort and still making it today. But can I be honest with you? Your feelings can lie to you. You cannot always trust your feelings because your feelings can deceive you and lead you away. Your feelings can be easily manipulated. Your feelings can change. In fact, some of you guys change into an absolutely different person because you feel hungry. You get snappy, easily agitated. You're ready to cut someone out because you went 10 minutes past your lunch break. Can you really trust your feelings when it's that easily manipulated? Some of you can be fine and dandy until someone cuts you off in traffic. And now your feelings change. And now you're giving the guy who cut you off the finger, you're driving erratically with the Jesus loves you bumper sticker on the back. Can you really trust your feelings when they're so fickle? So listen to me. We can know the Lord is near because he has promised us so. That's not based on what I feel. If I get goosebumps, if I cry during worship, if I was led to feel some emotional response. No, his nearness has nothing to do with my feelings. Instead, I can bring to mind what I know that he has promised in his word. That regardless if I feel a thing, he's still with me. He's by my side in my hard times, in my good times, in my moments of grief and suffering, and in seasons of celebration and jubilee. And this is the word that some of you needed to hear today. He is near to you right now. This is your reminder. This is your call to rejoice. He is near to you. And we can know this is true because of the provision of God made available. The graciousness of God was poured out all over you and me and demonstrated through the person and work of Jesus. While we were yet still sinners, far from God, alienated from Him because of our sin, God drew near. God drew near to His creation through the person and work of Jesus. 
And Jesus walked among us. He lived the life that we were incapable of living so that he might die in our place to absorb the righteous judgment of God on our behalf. He was innocently led to a cross where he would ultimately be beaten, bruised, and die for our iniquity. They placed his lifeless body in the tomb to show us that that's what our sin deserved, death. But Jesus took the penalty for us. And because God is all-powerful, Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death, and he rose from the grave. And now all who would call upon the name of Jesus can experience forgiveness of sin and new life. Jesus gave this promise before he ascended into heaven. He promised that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, and he filled the life of every person who put their faith in him with the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? Because he's near. Our, our God is a God who is near. He's not distant. He's not on a shelf. He doesn't live on your neck in some jewelry. He doesn't live in a painting or in a building. He's present with you. And because he is near, we can rejoice. Whether we're going through hard times or not. And what a beautiful picture of grace that is. Since he has treated our sin with grace, we can extend grace to others. We can share the same mercy and compassion that we've been shown to others. Praise God that he is near. And God, we thank you that we have a reason to rejoice today. I pray for those who are struggling, God, to find joy within their circumstances. Allow them, Lord, to see a God that is greater than their problems. Thank you, God, for extending us grace. We didn't deserve it. There's no way we could ever earn it. You freely give us grace. And we have, we have a reason, God, to extend it to others. Empower us by your Spirit to do so. And we thank you, Lord, that you are near, even if we don't feel it. We can know it because you've promised to never leave us. You've promised to never forsake us. And you're not a liar. So help us know this truth and help us live according to this truth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub. 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?